Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, you're listening to the DPC podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things dead parent, the good, the bad, and the banter, hosted by Sam and Kat. We did it. <laughs> oh my God. Honestly, I work for a tech company. I paid $40,000 for an English degree, but I fucking, for the life of me, that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. <laughs> I don't know why. That was... What happened? Ugh. Instead of DPC, I was writing DPD, like the fucking delivery company. <laughs> <laughs> I've got an ASOS order coming, and I think that I was like in the mindset of new clothes <laughs> and not... Yeah. I don't know what that was. Jesus. We can't deliver your ASOS right order, but we can deliver a good time. I love it. I love it. Thank deliver you. a good time. <laughs> this is good. It's I'm happy. good to finally kind of meet you. Yeah, it's felt like I've been preparing for a first date, like really nervous. <laughs> Didn't know what to wear, even though I know you guys wouldn't be seeing me. And I was like, should I do? I did a face mask because I thought that would oh, like send me in. Ugh, it's been a real huff this morning, so I'm glad that. <laughs> I hope you brought your wallet. Like I've been on dates where people forget their wallets, so I hope you've come prepared. And don't worry, we are heavily, heavily <laughs> we always pay. Oh, so good. I'm just excited. You know, I'm excited to talk about death. I'm excited to talk about dad. So, like, yeah, <laughs> I'm excited that you're excited. Yeah, it's the coffee, but we'll go with it. We'll just run with it. So where are the UK based? I am in the glamorous Burgess Hill. (laughs) It's like 10 minutes from Brighton. Ooh, lovely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just moved about six months ago. We were in Brighton for a year. And before that, I was in London for three years. So I've been bopping around all over the place. But I live in suburbia now. Oh, nice. Well, you're so close to Brighton, though. I love Brighton. Yeah, no, my office is, like, literally beside the station, so it's super easy. I can just train in. It's not a problem at all, which is good, yeah. The best of both worlds. So how come you've ended up in the UK, then? Because you're obviously, is it American? <gasps> Canadian. Close. Canadian. I'm so sorry. I should not say that all the time. Sometimes I feel like I should just say it first. Yeah. But <laughs> Canadian. It must be so frustrating, that, because it's like, I am Canadian. <laughs> I think because I've lived in the UK for so long, I like adapt to the accent that I'm speaking with. Like if I'm speaking to Americans, I honestly go so American. And Mm -hmm. if I'm speaking to Canadians, then I go more on the Canadian side. And then my Canadian friends say that I sound British. So (laughs) I don't have an identity anymore (laughs) in terms (laughs) of my voice. But um, no, I came over here because my previous, previous job two two lives ago um, paid for me to move here. I um there was an opening with the company and I was kind of just like I'd broken up with my ex 
And I was in a bit of a funny headspace. And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. And I had no money, really. And I lived in a hostel for a while. But I had a job. So I was at least set up that way. So I just came. Oh, that's so exciting. (laughs) It was wild. Um, Luckily, it worked out. I mean, I didn't really know what would happen. But um, I came with like, I think I had 700 pounds. When I moved into East London, I was staying in Shoreditch. And I was like, 700 pounds, I think it's like 1400 Canadian dollars. That's so much money. I was so excited. Yeah. And I got here and I was like, wow, I am so poor. Three days. Yeah. And I was being paid like, again, I kept converting from Canadian to GBP. So I was like, oh, I'm being paid 17,000 pounds a year. That's like 30,000 Canadian dollars. I'm going to be rich. <laughs> it did not. It was not that way. I was, it is not that way. It is. It does not work like that in London so no London is just another bit <sighs> mental yeah so do you live with your partner there then yeah yeah myself and Pete live down here oh, yeah. good. we did yeah we met on a um on an exotic night out in London <laughs> I was <laughs> we were at a bowling alley um I was out with my friends and he was out with his friends and it was some 50s night at this bowling alley in the middle of London. And we just happened to, I guess, bump into each other. And I mm. thought we were having a dance off, but we weren't. We were just <laughs> on the dance floor. And um, I thought his name was Chris. And, you know, the rest is history, really. Oh, that's so romantic. The good old fashioned way, you know, it was basically like we were out. And I, I think I asked him what his birthday was. And we have the same birthday, like same day, same month, same year. Wow. Um, and I was like, we have the same birthday. Oh, that's it. This is on then. This is done. Like, <laughs> soulmates. And then sign it online. Yeah. <laughs> so there we are. So you know Laura. Yeah. Was on here, don't you? you yeah. Know. How do you know Laura? Uh, we worked together. So when I, the company that transferred me here, Laura and I worked for that company together. And um, we both worked in sales. Yeah, we sat beside each other. And when I was in my like darkest, dark times, I used to come into work and she would like plaster positive quotes onto my desk while I wasn't oh. working. And I'd like come into my desk. People, preface, people refer to me as some sort of like grumpy bitch a lot of the time. Not like grumpy, but like sarcastic. I'm very sassy and I'm very sarcastic. Love. Um, and um, she used to try to like counteract my sassiness by like secretly positively positively decorating my desk as like a running joke and I'd come in and be like oh Christ here we are again (laughs) but I loved it you know what I mean I at that time in my life I really needed it so even though I was I was not receptive at first or it was all kind of funny in the end it was like it made such a difference in my day Mm -hmm. even though I probably wouldn't admit it because I'm too stubborn to admit that but no she was definitely like a little light Oh, in a dark time. She is literally such a lovely, lovely girl, isn't she? Yeah, she's she's wonderful. And she was just one of those people that whenever I was down, I would literally just text her and say, like, oh, I'm dad sad. Can you um can you just like yeah, talk to me for a sec? Dad I think, sad. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's um she's incredibly selfless. Like mm-hmm. she takes, I feel like she takes a lot of her own personal time to talk to people who are struggling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is something I I actually find quite difficult when people send me messages and mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. ask them for like support or advice or something I find I find it really hard to do 
and I kind of I put I, I'm really bad but I put it off for as long as possible because I'm like I can't mentally engage that part of my brain right now but she's incredible <laughs> and I think a part of it as well as I I would never want to be responsible for like steering someone in the wrong direction and I think when people ask for advice sometimes on on like grief or how to grieve or what's right I'm like I mean what was right for me might not be right for you because a lot of times what yeah. was right for me was like sitting alone and doing nothing and being really really quiet but I mean each person needs to to grieve in their own way but sometimes you forget like I wish that I had reached out to more people in the beginning just because I was very I think I isolated myself to a point where I was like I don't want to bring other people down and I don't want to um you know everyone around me I think was having really important life milestones and for me it was like the complete opposite so it was just like a strange yeah I didn't want to shit on their parade so I was like oh you know I'm fine don't worry about me but yeah I feel that well well going on from that then yeah the perfect starting point um I agree tell me your story who died what happened when was it how old were you all the good details the gory details (laughs) it's um I was um I was 27 so it was only 2 years ago actually 2 years ago last month Gosh wow yeah, so, yeah yeah the dad anniversary is what I called it mm-hmm. I said when I was at work like a few weeks ago like the day before it happened I have this new colleague and I said to her you know it's like it's the dad anniversary so I'm going to take it easy and she's like oh my god happy anniversary like how long have you and Pete been together and I'm like oh no no <laughs> sweetie I'm sorry like that's not no 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 <laughs> um so yeah, no, my, my dad wasn't sick. So it's a, it's like one of those really shitty situations where he wasn't sick. We had no inclination. It was just like, he got up one morning and went to work and felt, felt a bit funny, I guess. So went into his boss's office and was like, you know, I'm not feeling great. I think I'm going to head home. Um, and his boss was like, yeah, you look like shit. Like get out of here. Um, so he left the office and I guess, you know, figured out, realized something was wrong. Um, got in the car, drove himself to the hospital. Um, he was a, he was in the military, so he was a very diligent man. So he even like parked in the paid parking, paid for parking, <laughs> walked into the fucking hospital, and then keeled over right at the desk. Like, oh, so he God. had a massive heart attack. <gasps> yeah, so he, he must have been going through cardiac arrest then. Was... Exactly. Like while he was driving himself oh, to the hospital, right. probably going. Oh. Five under the speed limit as well because he's so fucking stubborn. Yeah, it was um crazy, really. Oh my god, it's wild. And then I know, like, obviously people tell you stories, and they said they revived him like three times. He was such a goon. Like he came back the first time, and he was like, "Oh, well, that was weird. Like, what's going on?" And then they lost him again, and then he woke up, and he was like, "Oh, I really probably should have called an ambulance, should I?" Oh my god! And they lost him again, and the third time they asked, he asked them to call my mum, and then yeah, he never came back. But Aww. just like one of those really unexpected kind of mm-hmm. things where you don't even like by the time you hear about it, you can't even process it, I guess, because yeah. so, so unexpected. Whenever he came back, did he then have another heart attack? Yeah, yeah, it was one of those things where the cardiac arrest was so massive that. um they just couldn't prevent it. And I think they tried yeah. surgery, but there was just, at that point, I think because it had started so early in the morning and he was so stubborn that he thought he was okay. I mean, you never know what could have happened. I mean, you can't dwell on those sorts of things. It's just not healthy to wonder what if, but yeah, 
definitely so one of those you, things where you must have been out of the country at the time right you were over here yeah yeah I was in the UK so I was at work um when I got the call and I remember looking at my phone and I had a message from my mom and it was like four o'clock here which for them was still quite early and I was like well that's weird like mom doesn't only get out of bed till around one so why is she <laughs> messaging um and it just said for my brother to call her and I was like okay well that's funny and then everything kind of went radio silent so I was really panicky because I was like what the fuck's going on um yeah and then my brother was like get into a meeting room at that point we worked for the same company so it was um he kind of knew where I was and that I was in a safe place and then yeah he called me and told me uh, what so what, what country was your brother in at the time uh, he was in the states so he was working oh. in California um oh. I was in the UK and then my sister lives in Ottawa so we're a bit all over oh, the place so none of you were near each other to kind of support each other at that moment then. no it was one of those yeah like really weird times where you know I I was in that I was in a meeting room obviously I was alone because I didn't know what the call was going to be about and then it was like I put my phone down and I didn't know what to do like how do you yeah. how do you react and like and nobody obviously no one in my office knew so I didn't know like I had to walk out of the, the meeting room and be like um so I have to go home now and I don't know when I'm coming back and my dad's dead and everyone's like uh, uh what um oh my god yeah so like I remember one of the girls my boss actually it was who was my best friend at the time she um just got in a cab with me we just cabbed back to my house and I had to kind of figure out I had to get a flight and figure my life out and at that point like Pete and I had literally just met so we had oh, been on gosh. we had been on two dates <laughs> um and then our third date was supposed to be that night so I had to text him and be like, oh, so I have to go home and I don't know when I'll be back. Um, but he ended up coming over to see me. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And I feel like he's just never gone home since then. <laughs> we, never <laughs> a, we never had a conversation where we were like, are we dating? It was just kind of like that all happened. And then. So he flew to Canada? No, no, no. Okay. So he stayed here. He didn't come to Canada. That would be oh, crazy. He came, <laughs> he came over to your house. No, yeah. He came to my house and um, spent the night. And then, yeah, I flew home to Canada. Oh, my God. Bless his heart. That is such a brave thing to do. It's one of those like moments where I figured, you know, obviously he's going to be like, well, this girl's going to be super fucked up now. Like, I don't want to be a part of that. And I assumed that I would never see him again after I got back. Um, but he he was kind of working in an industry with people who had, I think mental health issues and, and things like that. So he understands, I guess the, the brain. Yeah. More than even I did at that time. So he was super, I think integral in me getting through a lot of this just because yeah. having that person, not even thinking that I had anyone before that, but having to build a relationship with someone at the same time that you're trying to grieve is a, a complicated process, but I really, really think that it, really yeah. hard, I bet. Because I think, when you're grieving, sometimes you're just like, I just want to be on my own. I don't want anybody to be around me. Or yeah. Anything. At other times, you're like, I need all the attention. Yeah. Love me. me please. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's it. Like, he met me at a really, like, I feel like he he's only known me grieving. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, we went on two dates before that. But everything that he's known about me, it's like I'm a whole, it's like I'm a completely different person than I was yeah. than I was before. So it's a strange... Hey. In some ways, that can make it easier, I think, than being with somebody beforehand and then them having to adjust to, to all the changes. Like, 
the new person that you mm-hmm. And I think it's funny, like getting ready to speak to you guys, I've been like, I have a Tumblr that I kept for years when I was a kid. And I was like reading through my Tumblr and reading through my old journals. And it's like, I think if he met me then, he probably would have hated me because I was, I think I was more uh, like, (laughs) I don't even know what the word is, but I was definitely more level now than I was before. I was definitely more off the the scale in terms of, you know, the way I lived my life and what I was doing. And I think... When when you grieve, it can send you one of two ways. It can like you can spiral out of control, or you can kind of find and kind of channel that energy. And for me, I think I'd been spiraling spiraling for so long that it did the opposite to me. Like I calmed down, and I I kind of really focused on my future instead of letting it kind of crack me into a million pieces. That's amazing. I think that's really good because, like you said, a lot of people do just spiral out of control yeah. they go to the booze and mm-hmm. they kind of don't know where to put their focus on in their lives and stuff I think yeah that's that's really good that it turned out that way for you actually I just think that I I was like definitely a drinker before and I and I did a lot of partying and I was out a lot and then yeah it just went the opposite for me I was just like you know what I don't want to go out I don't want to see people I don't want to drink it does, don't get me wrong I definitely do drink but I, <laughs> I drink less now because the whole it's very unpredictable I find myself very unpredictable sometimes I'm like crying to my friends and I'm like oh, I don't even know why I'm crying but you know what I don't you know yes. how it is like, yes yes mm, I do it all the time whenever I cry it's usually completely random like it's not really triggered it's more just like a uh, I'm just yeah. really sad about it and I just I don't know what it is that's caused it but I feel really sad I'll be watching like Love It or List It on channel 4 and I'm like oh god I can't hold it <laughs> in the renovation it's great and Pete's like what is wrong with you and I'm like I don't know literally it's one of those things we talk about a lot you feel everything so mm-hmm. much deeper yeah I think that's why it hit me so much yesterday I was like seeing like kids playing in trees and just like welling up <laughs> what is happening <laughs> For me, I feel like I've focused a lot of my emotion on dogs now, which is <laughs> exhausting because they're <laughs> everywhere. But like, I get super emotional about like if I see a small dog that's friends with a big dog, I'm like, oh, look at that pure big dog, small dog relationship. Like, if they can get through that, I can get through anything. Like, they're so different. So, oh, I love that. I love that. How is um, just ridiculous? How was that? fly over there like what did you do that whole journey must have just been like how did you navigate that uh it's I I bought a notebook and it's I pulled it out this morning I bought a notebook when I was in the airport because I used to write all the time like I like I used to be a very avid like blogger and journaler um but I've kind of stopped over the years but I was like if any if any time I'm going to find inspiration it's going to be now and it's time of sadness so I bought this notebook and I remember I was sat on the plane sobbing, like actually uncontrollably sobbing and writing in this notebook. Um, and the flight attendants kept coming past and being like, miss, are you okay? Like, are you sick? Do you need My death. death. So I, um, I just kind of ignored them really. And then there was this girl who was sat beside me. I honestly, I have her on Facebook to this day, but I forget her name at this moment. Um, and she literally just turned over and was like, are you Okay. I'm like, no, actually, I'm not okay. My dad's dad. And then we, she just kind of talked me through the flight, which is like the sweetest thing and not what I expected. But 
she kind of like talked me down and was really honest and and not weird about it, which I appreciated because it because especially with strangers like this girl owed me nothing. She didn't have to talk to me, but she like rubbed my back and gave me a hug and was like, you know, it's all going to be okay. And I was like, if you ever want a job reference, like I didn't, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't even thinking. I was the only thing I could offer her was like a reference for a job, which I think I was reading through that. I was like, why did I say that to her? Like of all the things, I could have just said thank you, but I was like, you know, careers come first, and if you ever want. and then on the second flight because I had to stop off in in Ottawa or in Toronto and then fly into Ottawa where my mom lives on the Mm. second flight a guy started hitting on me on the plane and I literally turned over and was basically like fuck you my dad died I don't want to talk to you and the look on his face was priceless because I actually I think those were my exact words Um, and I got off and I told my sister and she was like Christ, like, relax. <laughs> um, Couldn't help it. Can eat with the airport? Uh, my sister and her partner, Ian. And then, yeah, we all just drove to mum's together. Cause she lives about 20 minutes from my mum. I drive. Yeah. So, yeah, she came and got me. And I know that yeah. she, the first thing she said was, like, one, you look like shit. Because obviously, I've been flying for seven hours. I've been bawling my eyes out. I hadn't eaten. So, she just made fun of me. So, they looked terrible. And then we just kind of oh. got on with it. What was it like when you all saw each other again for the first time? Because, like, that must have been really weird. <laughs> it was, um, like, I, for for me and my sister, we've never really been close. So it was hard because we're not really emotionally connected. So yeah. we don't know how we, at the best of times, don't talk about our feelings. So this was, like, the most awkward experience where I'm like, I don't even want to talk about this with her because it's, like... You know, she's not going to get it. And then my mom was obviously beside herself. Like, she never worked when I was a kid, really. She was a stay-at-home mom. Mm. Um, And to this day, she's like, it was always she would just be at home waiting for my dad. So she was just in pieces. And it was a, yeah, it wasn't a great time to be in the house. Like, it's just really strange. Like, there was this weird, calm. It's like a quietness, isn't it? Just like nobody really knew what to say. And I'm really close with my brother, so I was just like, oh, please fly here now, waiting for him to get into town, because it was very hard to navigate without someone to laugh with. Like, him and I very much found humor in the situation, and to this day still make jokes, but my the rest of my family is very much, like, stern. So I just was kind of counting down the minutes until he came in from California. Yeah. How was that for you? Like, how is your mom now? Because obviously... You know, I think it's something that Sam and I have both had to deal with is trying to help the other parent yeah, that's been left yeah. in mind. Um, I mean, she's okay, I think. I don't speak to my mum as often as I should. Uh, it's a tough it's a tough one. It's like losing my dad was hard. Um, but in the process and I'm going through therapy at the moment, so my therapist is helping me helping me speak about this. But it's almost like I lost two parents at the same time, if that makes sense. Like mum kind of shut down a bit emotionally so I'm trying to navigate speaking to her and dealing with her grief whilst also dealing with mine and she um yeah she's a bit of a closed book at the moment but it's a it's a strange situation where I want to be there for her but also being there for her sometimes is a bit too hard for me so yeah so I give her a call every now and then but we every time that we're together it ends in like hellfire where we end up 
you know, mm-hmm. having one too many drinks and then just shouting at each other. So it's probably better that we live on other sides of the world. And um, mm-hmm. I see her every now and then. And I mean, it is good. Like, don't get me wrong. I love my mom. She's a great person. But um, I think I respect myself emotionally enough now to know right now is not the right time for us to yeah. be living in the same country. Yeah. Yeah. I also find that and like how mm-hmm. what tips have your, your therapist given you to be able to actually like reach out to your mom and like kind of accept the way that she's dealing with it yeah and I mean I think it's just come to a point where I need to my therapist just says you know like if you start to feel angry when you're speaking to her just just take a moment and step away from the situation. She's such a fucking therapist. You know what I mean? Sometimes I'm like, oh, come on, Deb, like, give me something more here. Be human. (laughs) It's just like reminding myself that everyone, I mean, we said we can say this all the time. Everyone grieves very differently. And for her, it, I need to remember that she lost kind of the only person in life that she relied on. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's very stubborn and I'm also very stubborn. So when we speak about it, it, it comes to a head and I almost just need to remember now that it's almost like I need to, when I speak to her, I need to not talk about it. Like I've lost my dad. We need to just talk about it. Like she's lost her husband. Yeah. Um, yeah. just because she has a really hard time accepting my grief and she, you know, she's expressed to me that she thinks that her grief is, is more, you know, I, she's, she once said to me, horrible she said that um you know I've only lost my dad but she lost her husband which was Mm. a tough thing to hear but it was kind of like a a perspective thing where I was like okay you know she's never going to understand me and I'm never going to understand her at this point so maybe we just take grief out of the equation and try to talk like humans so we kind of just avoid it now which I don't think is a healthy piece of advice to give to someone but um I think right now it's working on rebuilding that relationship that we have first and then we can deal with the grief second i've kind of shelved it mm, I, I like that way of going about it like build the relationship first and then when, when you've got a good relationship yeah. difficult stuff and it might be more well received i feel like that's what i'm going through right now as well yeah it's just not easy and i think we've always had our ups and downs mom and i so this is just one more kind of bump in the road it's just Maybe it's a mountain and it's not a bump. So I think we were already working through some other things before this came up. So it's just kind of another thing on the radar that we're trying to work through. But it does make it easier for me because I don't have to see her every day. So I'm not like living under her roof and trying to to avoid her at every step. Mm. I just, I, it's in my hands now and I can call her when I need to and I can speak to her and, and that sort of thing. But what about your sister that lives obviously nearer to her? Yeah. Yeah, so she, um, I mean, my, her and my mum were never close when we were kids. But I think just because of how when dad left, he, well, he didn't leave, he died. But, um, like, before that, my sister, I think, always resented my mum. I don't know. It's, a comp- again, a, a complicated relationship. Mm-hmm. But because my sister and my dad were so close, my sister's really stepped up to the plate now. And she, like, goes to see mum every week and has dinners yeah. with her and and they've definitely rekindled that relationship. So I think that puts my mind at ease as well, like knowing mm-hmm. like my sister's there and she's handling it and I can kind of do my thing and live my life and, and check in every now and then. And you know, I, I've been home, like I've lived in the UK four years. I've visited home about 10 times. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I go home, I see my family quite often. So speaking every day, I think 
I can I can let that one go because I definitely yeah. make time. So would you say that your brother was more your kind of like ally in your grief then? Yeah, I, I think, like I said, like him and I have just, we did our best to find humor in it all. So we make jokes and we laugh. And like, I remember even, because we both spoke at the funeral, my brother and I, and um, I remember sitting down in the basement and like writing our speeches for dad's funeral. Is that, is that what you would call it a speech? Or, yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> but, um, and I remember like, do I start with a joke? And I was like, knock, knock, who's there? I'm not dad, that kind of thing. Like, what do I do? Like, how, do I, how do I approach this? So on the, on the, on the coffin, like, no, no. So it's like such a strange moment. And we just, we've always just kind of laughed our way through it. Like I remember texting him because it was last month was dad's two year anniversary, texting him being like, what are you up to today? And he'd completely forgotten. Like he's got a two year old and he's really, really busy. Um, so his life is like swamped with, he started a new job as well. So he's just crazy busy and he didn't even remember. And then like, we've just booked. I know. I just think, I think I think about it every single day, like every day. So I envy him in the fact that he can, I guess, compartmentalize that and be like, I only bring it out when I need to. And then I tuck it away again. But, um, you know, we all just booked a trip to Barcelona for Christmas as well. And I was like, no, Elise Nav, no dad. Like dad's not coming to Christmas this year, but that's okay. So just like making jokes and. Yeah, that'd be good though mm. in, um, in Barcelona. Do you find whenever you do go home, do you find that kind of hits you like a truck? Because I think whenever you go home, that missing person is way more prominent. Like you become more aware of the gap in the life do you know what I mean definitely and I think for me it's it it's going home is even harder because I left I left there for a reason you know what I mean I didn't leave because I was like ready to move on from my family Mm. but I left because of a really shitty relationship so when I go Mm. back I'm already anxious because I'm like am I going to run into that guy on the street am I going to have to have Mm. some sort of awkward conversation and then now when I go back there's that extra layer of you know am I going to run into people I know and they're going to say like oh, how's your family? How's your dad? Like mm. someone I've not seen or spoken to in a while and I have to go through that whole like, oh, preface. He's dead. Dad's dead, ha <laughs> Let's move on now. But, um, yeah. and then I think just going back to my mom's house, it's just, she lives in this like four bedroom house, three bedroom house, whatever it is, just by herself. And she's like a very tiny woman. She's like four foot 11 and wow. 90 pounds. Like she's small. So just going there, like she's this tiny little woman in this big old house and it's just quiet. Yeah. So it's just a weird thing. And, and, and you know, I mean, the last time that I was home, Pete came with me, which was lovely. So he got to to be kind of in the space with me. And he's always, again, like I said, oh. been kind of the rock through it all as well. So, but it's definitely been a while now. I've not been home since last March. So this is the longest oh, that I've gone. Yeah. I do, I do find that when you're away from home, you can kind of separate yourself from yeah. the situation, don't you? It's um, I think it's different for me because I've lived at home for the past nearly two years now. You know, my mum died in 2015. I moved back home in 2017, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I've I'm still here. But I do find living at home really difficult because it's me and my dad, and I'm very aware of his grief. Yeah. I'm very aware of the person that's missing in the house especially when I come in from work and I kind of go upstairs and I don't 
whereas if my mum was at home it'd be very much like hi Catherine mm-hmm. as soon as you walk door, you become very aware of it every single day so I can't really escape it so I'm really looking forward to moving out at some point in the future <laughs> yeah. and I think for me it's like I've just been and I, and I don't think it's negative but I've definitely been selfish for myself do you know what I mean like I I thought about going home. I did. I thought like, you know, I'm going to move home. You know, I don't need Pete. I'm going to go home and be with my family. But then I was like, you know what? I moved to the UK for a reason. Like not, mm. not just because of the breakup, because I wanted to, to do something more. I wanted to, to build a life and I wanted to, to, to kind of follow my dreams as cheesy as it sounds. Um, and I know that my dad was really proud that I was here. So part of me is like, I'm not leaving and I'm not going to give that up just yeah. because of this, because I think it would disappoint my dad more to know that I'd been like, you know what? No, I'm going to go home and, and just be there because it's not going to solve anything. Like my, me being in the house with mom, isn't going to fix her. It's not going to make her less sad. No. Um, so I just decided to kind of, for me to keep pushing forward in the UK. And I, and then that's it. Like, I know that I can go home whenever I need to and God forbid anything happen again. I can always I think that's what I learned in this situation is I can be home in seven hours if I have to. Like, it's not. That's, that's really short. Yeah. I didn't know it was close. I think it takes longer to get places in London than it does for me to get back to Toronto. So That is so true. And I think, think that it's one of those things where you just need to, to put yourself first because when I feel like all of your family is experiencing their grief in really, really different ways. And for me, like I could never, I can't, you know, I can't make my mom go to therapy and I can't make my brother remember the death anniversary and I can't make my sister more emotional, but I can, you know, invest in me and try to make me happier. So that's just always been the way I guess I've kind of tried to look at it. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That is some good advice. <laughs> I really, I really felt that because I have like, I felt very similar with like my family dynamic as well. Mm-hmm. Because I find, I've just found it so difficult to accept that my mum and my sister just don't want to talk about it. They just don't want yeah. to talk about that. And I'm like, but why? Like, talk about it. I need to talk. Yeah. Um, and I just think like, people 
some people are just not comfortable talking about it. Do you know what I mean? Like I've got friends, like obviously with Laura, it's easy um, because I can just reach out to her and say, dad's sad. And then she'll, mm-hmm. she'll come back and she, I mean, she's ultra responsive, which is great. But when it comes to family, I feel like it's just, there are just so many layers of sadness that you're dealing with. It's not just like, I feel like some people have these like picture perfect death situations, which sounds fucked up, but it's like, you know, someone in their family dies and it brings them all closer together and they all realize how good they have it. And their whole family is like (laughs) celebrating how great things are. And then there's like my situation where it's like dad died and we're like, Oh shit. Well, we had him and now like none of us do you know what I mean? Like we we navigate it now. Yeah. He was like the glue holding us all together. And now we're like, well, fuck like what, what now? Like who do I, what do I text? Like, what do I do? Like trying to navigate the family change dramatically. And I feel like some people are very lucky in that it, it kind of bonds the family, I guess, and, and the grief kind of yeah. brings them all together. But some of us aren't that lucky and you have to kind of find your way on your own. But that's okay mm, too, you know? I, I literally, like, never talk to my brothers, like, ever. <laughs> I've, got, I've got two two older brothers. Yeah. They're, like, 32 and 30, perhaps. Um, I'm 23, so they're quite a bit older than mm-hmm. me. But we, like, never have conversations about mom. We we don't talk to each other. Whenever we do kind of call each other, I don't really know what to say. Like, yeah. We just, we've, we've never been, I've never bonded with my brothers, even after my mum died. I think, I think after my mum died, it probably got worse. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I go months without any contact. So, for, for me, I lent a lot on my extended family, like my cousins and stuff. Yeah. More. But it's sad, really, I think. I don't I even do, know I, the last time that I spoke to my sister. I think I texted her on her birthday mm-hmm. and she said, thank you. And I think that was it really. I don't think. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. well, I, I would really like to be able to, mm-hmm. I wish that it had brought us all close together and now we're really close, but it's just not the case, unfortunately. And I, I think that's why, I mean, podcasts like this, finding, finding a community that you can speak to that perhaps isn't your family it's so important because honestly you can feel so isolated and so alone. And I mean, I've said it before, but like having Pete, even though he kind of just knew me and having just someone around where I could just cry Mm. (laughs) for no reason. And just know that I had another person to say, are you okay? Even if it wasn't my family texting me or, you know, my friends even just to have that one person made such a difference. And I remember the last time I was home, I like, it was the anniversary, So Pete and I had gone home um, to be with my mom and my family for the week. And I remember finally realizing that no one in my family has ever asked me like, how are you doing? Are you okay? Like it had been a year and none of us had reached out to each other and said that, which is so weird. And then I've, one of my uncles who um, lives in Ottawa as well, he was the first person in the family he had had like 12 beers I think and he was like Nessie are you okay and I was like shit (laughs) shit no I'm not but thanks for asking like you know what I mean like people I think that's the one of the shitty things about it as well is that you know people remember for a few weeks and they'll reach out and they'll say how are you doing are you doing okay but then you know a month goes by or two months go by and people just start living their normal lives again because it doesn't it doesn't affect their life like it does yours and they for, they forget and that you can't hold it against them. You can't assume any militia, but they do. Um, and I, one of the girls I used to work with, not Laura, but that was the same company. She had scheduled the delivery of flowers for me six months after dad died. 
and she didn't like she didn't tell me right away that they were from her she like sent me a message later in the evening but she just said like you know I just wanted to make sure that even though it'd been so long that you remember that people still are there for you it was like one of the smallest most meaningful things that I think anyone's ever done for me because she didn't have to but she said she'd just written it in her diary like send Vanessa flowers on this day and it was like such a powerful thing just to remember that, you know, other people, even though you feel so inside your own head being sad and you want, I, I think after like six months, you feel weird bringing it up to friends still. Cause you almost feel like you should yeah. be over it. Like, oh, come on now. Like we get it. You're sad. Move on. Yeah. So to have other people say like, you know, I'm still here with you, even though it's been a while is incredible. Wow. Yeah. So true. I, I think I found that one of the most difficult things to kind of, get over was when everybody else around me just stopped asking if you're okay and they just their lives carried on as normal mm-hmm. and your own life carries on as normal doesn't it it literally the hours tick by yeah but it's I, I find that really I, I did find that really hard to hard, hard to deal with everything else just came went on as normal mm-hmm. and you were like at home and you were like I'm still devastated I'm still struggling yeah. but everybody else around me is okay <laughs> and I think that's it's like, like I'm turning 30 in like two weeks so for me it was like a lot of my friends were experiencing these like milestones like having babies buying houses doing all this stuff and it's like you want to be so happy for the people around you but in some part of your head you're just so angry and you're so jealous Mm -hmm. that they can like enjoy these happy moments and and for me it was like like getting to know Pete like wanting to like the the best part of a relationship is like the first three or four months not that I'm not happy now (laughs) but like that's like the most the most fun I think you have in the relationship when you're getting to know each other and you're like trying to navigate like who the other person is and getting to know those like tiny intricacies of their personality and for me it was like this poor guy like having to lift me up every time I'm falling down because I'm trying to like figure out my relationship with my mom. And then Christ, like a month after dad died, a month after Pete and I met, we found out I was pregnant. (laughs) Yeah. So it was like dad relationship pregnancy. And I was like, no, I'm not ready. I mean, trigger warning, not ready. Did not have a baby, but um, just like so many things kept happening throughout the year. And I was like, can't I just get a break? Do you know what I mean? And it almost becomes a spiral where, like, you don't even want to talk about the new thing that makes you sad because no one wants to be that, like, Debbie Downer friend that's like, oh, you remember when my dad died? Well, now this happened and then now this happened. So it's almost like you don't even want to talk to people about it anymore because you don't want people to think that you are that, like, Eeyore in the room. But it's difficult because we, all of us, just think that but none of us ever actually ask our friends whether they do exactly (laughs) and I'm sure if I was to say like do you think I'm crazy do you think I'm too sad all of them would be like oh my god no like literally your dad died you're fine like keep crying please keep crying it's weird that you're not crying cry more like that kind of thing but you get so wrapped up in your own head and your own worries about what other people think that you don't let yourself kind of go through the processes sometimes yeah. Do you have many friends around you or do you have many friends now that are lost parents or are you still kind of a lone ranger? Um, well, I mean, besides Laura, um, like I had a friend whose mom died of brain cancer when we were in high school, but that was ages ago. So it was like, I've, I think I've been surrounded by death 
not by like friends, parents, but I've definitely experienced a lot of close people to me who have died over the years. So I have a lot of people around me who've experienced death with me, but not a lot of friends who've lost parents. So it's, it's hard for people to understand. And it's funny when people talk to you and they're like, Oh, I just don't know what I would do. And I just can't imagine how it would go on. And I was talking to to one of the guys at work yesterday or the day before. And he was like, I just think I'd fall apart. I just think I'd like crumble and never be able to. Oh, yeah, I did. And I'm like, hi, like I'm here. It's fine. Like I promise you'll be fine. Like you'll move on. Things will be great. You get an inheritance. Maybe like you'll, you'll live your best <laughs> life and you'll like go on from there. Right. But it's funny how people, people are so afraid of it. So afraid of death. Mm, they are. And it's, they are the one thing that we're all going to experience. Exactly. And I think that's people have a hard time wrapping their heads around that. It's scary to think about that. And I remember when I was a kid thinking about my, I think I was a very dark child, but I remember like thinking about what would happen if my parents died and like playing it out of my head, like, because my mom was so dependent on my dad, what would you do? And because I felt like my dad was so dependent on mom, what would you do? And I would like think about that and cry when I was young because I was a, (laughs) so strange, but like now it is weird. Honestly, I could, the weird parts of me, we've not even touched the surface, but that was one of those things (laughs) where I feel like I'd like emotionally prepared myself for this for so long that when it happened, I like shattered for a moment, but then I kind of like plateaued a bit and I, kind of put it aside and and tried to like push on with my job and 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 I like quit the job that I was at and tried to find a new career and tried to like forge my path and and that's why I've only started therapy now because I was so stubborn and I was like I don't need help like you know I can just write about my feelings and I you know I talk about them enough and you know I deal with it healthy and then in the last few weeks I've been like oh shit I think like I think I'm fucked up I think I need to I think I need to see someone (laughs) So that's why I've started therapy just very recently. And it's it's definitely turned me around for sure. Amazing. How, how so? I think it's just, I'm a very anxious person, like by nature. I describe myself as like, you know, when you see a chihuahua on the street and you go near it and it barks at you, like that's like me. Mm-hmm. I'm like that skittish little dog. And um, it's just helped me work through that anxiety because I know I had it before dad died anyway so I've been dealing with it for a long time and it was like losing dad was like the catalyst that kind of spiraled me a bit out of control and the panic attacks got worse and and I I don't want to I don't want to be on medication and I don't I don't want to go down that route because it I'm very sensitive when it comes to things like that so I've just been trying to deal with it in a less invasive way and I think just having a space where I can speak to someone who isn't Pete, um, you know, and who isn't my family. And I can kind of say all, all the weird, scary things that you don't want to say out loud and you don't want to admit in like a safe yeah, space yeah. where you feel like the universe doesn't even hear them. So like if I'm angry at my mom or if I'm angry at Pete or if I'm, you know, I'm angry at myself, I can say it out loud, but it's almost like it's not going to make it happen in the universe. It must be a mad job to be a therapist. Oh, I just can't imagine. The things that you hear. Because I, I feel like when you're there, you feel like you're the only person that they can. I just think to sit there so stone cold as well, it's amazing that they can just sit there and it's like so normal. And I'm like yeah. in my own world, like I'm 100 miles away from the question she asked me, talking about God knows what. And she's just still like, you know, how did that make you feel? <laughs> why do you think you felt <laughs> that <being> <laughs> <laughs> Oh, It's funny. 
<laughs> I was just going to ask you whether, obviously, with everything that happened, whether it changed your relationship with your friends, whether that be your friends from home or your friends in London, like, were there any that you suddenly became... Did you find yourself becoming more impatient with them or did you find yourself getting closer to some of them? I think it, it went two ways. Like, my... Because I've been here for so long, I... And I originally was from a very small town where everyone was very, very close and I kind of got out, I would say, for lack of a better phrase. So a lot of my friends from high school and things, I don't even speak to anymore um just because I moved over here and I kind of like very dramatically left my old life behind and decided I would move on to new things and then I have a very strong group of friends that I built when I was at my first job in London so I'm very lucky that those girls were all there for me and and still are but I do think I have made a point and I think it's one of the things that grief does to you where you just like cut the bullshit and when you when you find that your friends are draining or maybe you've had people in your life that you know you liked having around but suddenly your perspective is so changed and these these people who perhaps aren't the most positive or who aren't the most giving it becomes really real to you so i i think i've definitely shut people out and i've i've um i've ended friendships because i've just been like you know what this isn't good for me the way you are is not good for me and i I don't want to be a part of this anymore and it's not personal. It's, it's me putting myself first and I've learned how to, to definitely speak up for myself more. And I have taken my friend group and I guess whittled it down to, I think the people that you can rely on most. And it's funny when, when people die, how the people that you thought would be there for you sometimes aren't. And Mm -hmm. the people that you least expect to kind of, lift you up come out of the woodwork and give you what you give you what you need um so I definitely had to to reassess my friendship groups but now more than ever I feel like we're all a lot closer and I can be quite honest and and reach out to people and just say you know this is how I'm feeling can you can you come over or can we hang out or can we just talk so but I've had to yeah lose a few loose ends along the way just for my own mental well-being I think but gained a lot of better ones in the yeah exactly and again for me I think the whole thing is just about being about being selfish and just like always putting myself first and trying to figure out what's best for me and you know I did spend a lot of time in my I would say my previous life um always trying to be there for other people and trying to like be supportive and and I kind of have had to turn that around and and put a blocker on it and be like you know what no like I need to be selfish for a change and I need to to support myself and I can't help you through this breakup. And I, maybe it's, it's from a, from a weird point of view, it's almost made me less sympathetic to some things, which makes me feel like a bad person, but also not at all because it's life's too short and I can't worry about that. But I have like a really funny way of looking at the world now that I don't think I had before. Maybe just a realist to a flaw. (laughs) It's just the little things that I think, things like when people lose grandparents now, I feel like I have a really hard time being like, oh, what a shock. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> Do you know what I It's like, um, I get it. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, and it does make me feel like a bad person. I feel like perhaps I should be giving them a hug and, and kind of talking them through their sadness. But at the same point, I feel like, you know, that person was 92 years old. Like, if you didn't think they were going to yeah. die, like, you're like way delusional. 
because yeah. <laughs> it was definitely coming. Spoiler alert. So spoiler alert. We're all gonna die. <laughs> yeah. So it's just weird, weird perspective changes that I think sometimes my friends don't understand. Or you know, I've had a, a friend say to me recently that she found that my self-deprecation was uncomfortable. And she didn't know how to tell me. And I just think things like that. I'm like, you know what? I just don't even have the time for it anymore. Like, if you think my my humor, my grief makes you uncomfortable, then see ya. Like, yeah. I can't even comprehend that. It's weird, isn't it? I do think, though, that our grief is very much formed on the fact that we feel like we've been robbed of a real of a big period of our lives with the person that we loved mm-hmm. that forms a very very large part of our grief which i think then gets transferred onto when people lose a grandparent yeah because a big part of our grief is that we were robbed of mm-hmm. so much time with them we're like but well, you had all that time with them whereas i think sometimes i do think because I'm, I'm the same when people say they've lost a grandparent i can be a bit like oh you know at least they at least they were really old when they yeah. died but i think that doesn't numb down the pain that you feel when somebody that you love and is a big mm-hmm. person in your life is no longer there anymore. So I sometimes have to kind of have a word of myself and be like, no, this person yeah. loved that. Now they're not there. So I have to show them as much compassion as I can. But it is because a lot of our own grief is like, I'm so angry because I was robbed of so much time and I wouldn't I wouldn't be so hurt if they had lived until they were 90. Yeah. But we probably and I, that's I, that's yeah. again it's like learning how to check in with yourself and be like whoa 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 maybe don't be so harsh I, mean, I don't yeah. have to I don't have to you know I don't have to console this person to the ends of the earth do you know what I mean but it's definitely mm-hmm. I think you hit the nail on the head like especially in my situation where I didn't you know I was very unlucky like I didn't get that point that some people do get where they they know that something is coming and they can kind of yeah. build up to it and they can say their goodbyes like the night before dad died, I remember I was out at a gig with my friends and I had had a lot to drink and I was texting and we have like a family group chat. So I was texting in the family group chat and I think I'd been quiet for a few days prior and dad had sent a message being like, is anybody out there? Because the group chat had gone silent and I responded <laughs> saying, nope, I'm dead. And this was the day before dad died and it's like... <sighs> Weird. Those things um, really stick with yeah, you, don't they? Yeah, just like weird little things that I'm like, how did I, like a joke like that at a time like this, I look back and I'm like, oh my God. But it was like, I still have those messages where it's like, you know, saying that I love them before I went to bed and I was supposed to see them the next mm. month. So I was really looking forward to that. So, and then like my dad, we never spoke on the phone really, not that often, but he would always email me. So I have like a collection of emails oh. from him um, just throughout the year is just things like checking in and making sure that I'm okay. And I've got this one from before he was going into surgery, like years and years ago. I don't know what he was, I don't know what he was doing, but he had gone into surgery and he sent me an email. I've got a screenshot of it on my desktop. Um, and it was just something like, you know, I'm going into surgery and you never know what could happen, but I just want to say that like, I'm so proud of you kids. And you know, you've all gone into your different parts of the universe, but you've all done so well. And, you know, like, make sure you call your mom and, you know, this and that. So I've got like little written memories from dad over the years, which is nice to hold yeah. on to. Um, so I try to remember those things when other people are grieving. And I'm like, just stay positive, you know, stay positive. 
exactly like you just got to find a way to, to navigate it and it's just not easy and I think some people think that it's it's either really really messy or it's really simple but for me it's been like that this like weird in between where you know sometimes I think I'm dealing with it so well and then it'll hit you like a freight train and I'm like oh shit I thought I was okay yeah. but maybe I'm not okay and then I'm like oh no just breathe you'll be fine so do you ever have times where being so far away from home that do you ever worry that you are kind of like um because you're so distant like kilometer wise do you think it almost like distance yourself from the grief that the rest of your family feel or do you think you're sometimes distancing yourself from that grief by being so far away I think probably the latter like it's easier for me to be away right now um and to to kind of face it on my own because I just I'm not and I and I think I said it earlier like I just don't feel capable of helping other people through their grief and because I think my family has been so closed about it and everyone's kind of dealt with it independently like going home I don't want to have to face that yet I don't want to have to like navigate that weird new situation that new life that we're going to have to one day accept and move on from this whole like weird sad thing that we're dealing with um yeah and I don't I don't foresee myself ever moving home to be honest and sometimes it, it does make me feel like I feel like I'm missing milestones like my nephew's only three years old and there's a lot of things that I'd like to be mm-hmm. there for but also I need to I feel like I need to fix my not fix myself but I need to like build myself back up before I can feel comfortable even thinking about moving home I am I, do, I am quite like jealous in terms of like Sam being away and like my friends that have moved mm-hmm. away and sometimes I'm like I just itch or I just like I just want to leave this town mm-hmm. where everything happened like I feel like it, I, feel, I feel like sometimes like oh is it easier to easier to go yeah. through grief at home and like is it easier to forget mm-hmm. a little bit but then I'm like but I don't want to yeah. forget I'm like oh I don't know what to do <laughs> yeah that's kind of what I'm getting at because I I'm like part of me is like well I'm I'm so far away from everything like can I even grieve properly here because I'm so far mm-hmm. away Am I just am I just distancing myself and not I don't know like almost like exactly the opposite of what you're thinking, Kat. Like I'm always like actually I want to be back there so I can actually relive the memories and mm-hmm. speak to family all the time and speak about and be around them if they're speaking about dad memories and stuff and mm-hmm. like drive past the places that we used to do stuff together. Well, that's that's one of the things that you're struggling with, though, isn't it, Sam? Like having nobody in odds that you're close to that has got a dead parent yeah exactly I think well I mean yeah that and also like just away from the family and stuff so that's why I was interested mm-hmm. to to hear that but then I suppose as well like you haven't actually lived in Canada mm-hmm. without your dad and for me it was like so my dad was in the military when I was growing up so he moved we moved a lot when I was a kid like once a year it felt like until I was like 12 um and while he was in the military, he was always gone. Like he was, I would say, I didn't really get to know my dad until I was probably 13 or 14. Um, just because he was always traveling for work and he'd come home for a few days and then he would be gone again. So most of my like child life 
I have no memories of my dad for the most part. I've got like little bits here and there, but we were never close. It was almost like he was a stranger who would come in and leave. And I knew I loved him and I knew he was my dad, but I didn't really have that like family hub, like that, like North American, you know, television family that everyone thinks mm. that people have. Um, and then he retired from the military, but his, his jobs that he had then kept him traveling quite often. So we kind of became a bit closer and I, I would spend more time at home and I've got a few nice memories with him, but it wasn't until I was about 19 when I, he was moving across the country for work and I had been in another very dramatic breakup as you do when you're 19. <laughs> um, and in classic Vanessa fashion, I was like, screw it. And I moved with my dad across the country into this one bedroom apartment and we had never really mm. known each other really never really gotten to know each other on a level more than like he's my dad and I'm his daughter and that's that so we lived in this one bedroom apartment for like six months and it's one of my fondest memories now just because it was just him no one else in the family was there and we just had to figure out one another which is so mm. strange because it's not like I had a disconnected family. It's not like my parents were divorced. It's like we all were a happy family, but he was just never around. So there wasn't any anger or any animosity we had to work through. It was just like literally getting to know each other. And after that, we were always very, very close. So leaving home for me is, is a tricky one because we never really had like a family home. And my family was always so spread out that for me, even being away, just kind of, it feels normal, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I got that. And then, so the last time that I saw dad, he, I had, for my mom's 60th birthday, back when mom and I were much closer, I had planned a surprise trip for her. So I booked her a flight to come to the UK for her 60th birthday. And then she and my dad lived in Belgium for a few years when my when my dad was posted with the military and they had some best friends that they hadn't seen in 30 years. So I arranged this whole surprise trip for my parents where I flew them over and then I invited their friends from Belgium over and they had this like very dramatic reunion and um, it was amazing. And then we did two days in Paris as well. And it was like this trip that originally I was just going to invite my mom and then I was planning with my dad and he was like, you know what? No, I'm going to come as well. So it ended up being like the last family vacation that we ever had. Um, and that was a month and a half before dad died. So for me, like my memories are almost better here than they are yeah. back in Canada. Yeah. Just because. Yeah. You had that time. Mm -hmm. That's so special. That. No, it was wild. And he was like a kid. It was so funny to see him here because he hadn't been on like a vacation vacation or been back to Europe in ages. So he was like, oh, what's this and what's that? And why do they call it this? And like, he was like a, like a six-year-old. And I remember being so annoyed and being like, oh God, go home already. Like I can't handle this anymore. But I look back now and I'm like, yeah, some of my happiest memories I have with my family are here now. So it's, it's different. Like, Makes mm -hmm. England more like yeah. home, I suppose. Which is nice, considering you're building life. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it would be harder to leave now, I guess, because I've got the job and I've got PD and got the yeah, I've got my job and my man, and I'm not going anywhere. So, uh, <laughs> well, do you think that it's changed the way that you go about your life than now, like with your appreciation for stuff? I think that I. I mean, I like I said, even when I got to know Laura, like I've always been. Not, I mean, I can say I'll, I've always been negative, but like 
funny negative. I don't know. Just like I see yeah. the shitty side of things, but I can laugh about them. Um, like to me. Yeah, exactly. Like just you got to be able to laugh at things. And I've, and I've always gone about my life that way. But I think I try really, really hard now. I try to make an effort to like see the good things and like, it's, so, it's like I wake up in the morning and I'm like, today is going to be a good day. Like I have to make it a good day. And it's just like weird little affirmations that I try to like, even when Pete's down, I'll be like, tell me something good about your life or tell me something great. And it sounds hokey, but once you start adopting it, it's like, it makes it easier to get through the bad stuff. Even when you just have a bad day at work or you, I don't know, stub your toe. Or that's just like stupid little things. Just like I try more diligently to, to, to see the good, even if it's just like, oh, wow, look at that flower, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I am a diary, and every night I have to put in, I have to write three things that I'm mm-hmm. grateful for that day. Um, and that's it. I think it's just you have to kind of re rebuild your your emotions in a way. You have to kind of kind of re sort out your feelings. And and for me, it's like now I keep a journal where I every day when I wake up, I write down how I'm feeling when I woke up in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. And I just try to look back at it at the end of the day and be like, did I still feel that way when I was going to bed? And and did I try to find a way to to kind of keep that happy feeling or to like work out that shitty feeling and and I mean I'm lucky that at least now I work in a very positive place and I am surrounded by positive people but yeah. I think it's yeah it's just about trying to surround yourself with the right type of people which can be hard it's important it's important to have an awareness I think of, of your mm-hmm. feelings and not just feel something and then try and brush it under the carpet I'm very good now mm-hmm. like if I wake up in the morning and I have to go to work and I feel shit like not sick but like mentally I feel drained I'll actually just text my boss and be like you know what I'm gonna take a day today like I'm gonna I'm checking out I'm gonna take a mental health day and I'm very lucky that I work for a place that's very understanding but I know myself enough to say no today's for me like either I'm gonna work from home or I'm just gonna have a mental health check-in because if I have I push myself really because I work in sales, it's like, go, 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 hit your quota, hit your quota. And it's so easy to, to drown yourself in work and to not put yourself first. So I'm trying to make more of an effort to say, no, like you literally aren't sleeping and all you're doing is focusing on work. Take a day off, spend a day with Pete, do something good, like check out and check in. Yeah, no, I love that. It's especially in sales, I think, mm-hmm. as well. Like if you don't go into work one day because you're having like a mental health day you'll go in the next day in a much better place mm-hmm. than you would have been and probably like overachieve on like your quotas and stuff and so. i think we forget that our if i'm down like i i'm like a black cloud like if i go into work and i'm feeling angry like other people feel it and i feel like the mood shifts in the room and everyone's yeah. like uh having a bad day so it's not even just for me like it's for other people as well like i don't want people to have to to listen to me all the time at work be like oh god I'm so depressed so it's just about like finding a way to to manage it yeah no that's great that's really good um so our final question that we always end with is what advice would you give to somebody else who's thinking what you did especially with regards to losing a parent so suddenly and so out of the blue like the kind of coping mechanisms for that I would say just like feel all of the feelings, all of them. Like you're going to be so 
sad, like the deepest depths of your sad that you thought you weren't even capable of feeling. And that's going to be confusing. And then something good's going to happen and you're going to feel guilty about feeling good. But I think Mm -hmm. you need to feel everything because if you try to shut it off, if you try to shut off the sad or if you try to shut shut off the happy, then you'll just never be able to work through it, if that makes sense. So it's just about... You know, you're going to feel some really weird things emotionally and just kind of allowing that to happen and not trying to block it because it's all happening for a reason. And if you find yourself crying at Love It or List It, then just cry, you know? And if you're crying over a a dog on the street, just cry. But like, you know, just find things that that will make you happy and, and cling on to them. But remember to feel sad as well. I love that. The thing that I do now to like ensure that I have a nice week is we go every weekend we go to the RSPCA and we volunteer to walk the dogs that are um, waiting to be rehomed. So that's like my little tidbit of joy during the week. I appreciate (laughs) We can't have a dog in the house. So it's like my way of doing something good for the universe, doing something very good for myself. And um, it's just, yeah, finding something that even if it's something so small like that, that can bring you joy. Aww. I love. I think that's a really important bit of advice to give. If you find something that gives you some sort of joy, try and do it as often as you can to make yourself feel as good as and possible. And that's it. It doesn't have to be something massive. Like I think people think that they need to like change their life and do something dramatic and like cut their hair or you know, get a fringe. I don't know. But sometimes even like the smallest little things, even if it's just like getting a house plant and taking care of the house plant, like just refocusing some of that negative energy on something a bit more positive can really just kind of shift your whole mentality yeah yeah so true (laughs) i'm actually um what you're talking about then has just reminded me i got a message from a girl um recently (laughs) about her boyfriend um saying that her boyfriend's dad passed away really suddenly out of blue two weeks ago and she was going to let him know about our podcast (laughs) but she didn't know whether it would be too soon or whether she should recommend it to him or not. Um, and she put, I don't know what to do or say to him for the best. So over the last couple of weeks, I've just tried to there as much as possible. But I don't want to suggest something that might upset him. So I'm looking for a bit of advice. What do you think? Do you think these, do you think like recommending him to listen to some of these podcasts would be a good idea? I would say, yeah, like I, this is something that I wish that I had when I mm. was going through it. Cause I definitely, kind of like you just like put on that sad song and and you know you listen to sad music and but I think this knowing I mean obviously from each episode it's hard to tell what each person has gone through but kind of knowing that you're not the only person who's kind of like me or like that poor gentleman lost someone so suddenly just makes it that bit easier and just hearing that someone has kind of come out the other side I guess and even if you're not on the other side someone's like in the middle of their grief and still working through it like it's all normal and you know I have a friend whose whose mom just passed away quite um quite similarly to Laura's in terms of cancer and and I have sent her the link and been like you know just like check it out like maybe it'll be good maybe it'll be bad but I mean it can't feel worse than you know death you know what I mean and losing someone like listening to this podcast isn't going to make it any worse but it could make it better so why not give it a try I I definitely that's the biggest thing for me that when because I actually had a similar conversation last week over dinner. Um, one of my really good friends here was like, okay, I have a question. 
um, I sent your podcast to like one of my childhood friends. Like she lost her um, dad. It was like ten years ago. He's like, but mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't know what to say to her when I sent it to her. So all I said was, look, this like similar to what you just said, Vanessa was this this might be good, it might not, but I am sharing with you because I'm thinking of you and so I think this the just be honest, like with your friends as mm-hmm. well, just to be like, look, this might help, this might not. Because I think just the act of people thinking of you mm-hmm. and that and in the context of lose like the fact that you've lost someone yeah is like huge like they've not forgotten about that and that's it it's like my friend who sent me flowers do you know what I mean it doesn't have to be something big it doesn't it's just like a like a tiny little speck of light in all the dark things it's like here's this thing that could make you feel better or maybe you hate flowers you know what I mean maybe Mm -hmm. I hated flowers and she didn't know but like just something something to show that you know you're not alone and I'm thinking of you and you know this could could do some good and I think it does do some good I mean I've been listening to it over the last few weeks and it's definitely with this in my therapy you gals have been you know that's been great (laughs) (laughs) we do try you guys and Barb that's all I need or Deb I still don't really know her name but we'll get we'll get there eventually (laughs) doesn't often come up so (laughs) they're they're great therapist names (laughs) one or the other just stop being such a therapist Barbara turn it down give yeah. me something real how did it make you feel makes me feel like I could be a therapist you know what I mean like I don't think I'm emotionally capable there yet but I do think one day I could I can do that I could ask those questions and why did it make you feel that way I I could, but then sometimes I'd be like yeah. seriously that's going down like, get, get over it, it. Done. <laughs> so bad no it's good well, well, thank you so much, Vanessa. We really appreciate no, it. No, it's been a pleasure, my friends. And uh, I mean, I would say hopefully we speak soon. I, I mean, I hope I don't lose another parent and wind up on here again. But if I do, <laughs> I, um, I know who to call. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed, please do. <sighs> thank you so much for listening to this week's DPC podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have and have found some comfort in the stories that you've heard today. If you've resonated with anything we've said, have any questions or want to get involved please do contact us we're on instagram it's at dpc podcast you can email us on dpc podcast at hotmail.com or we have a contact form on our website www.dpcpodcast.co.uk we have a whole bunch of resources over on our website more information about dealing with grief losing a parent and professionals to contact if you should need it because as Kat so eloquently said in our first podcast, we're not providing healthcare, we're just chatting <laughs> If you think this podcast could help someone, then we would love for you to share it. We upload new podcasts every week, so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. Loads of love from Sam and Kat. See, See you next Tuesday. Nailed it. Nailed it. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.